Life Audio. Welcome to the Real Refreshment Podcast. Join us as we dive into motherhood at the foot of the throne with your host, Rachel Carmen. If you are tired, overwhelmed, and feeling alone, this is the place for you. A place for real moms with real stories seeking real refreshment found only in the living God. Take a minute to visit rachelcarmen.com and join the community of Real Refreshment listeners who are taking the dare to be in the Word as a top priority in the journey of motherhood. All right, let's kick off this latest episode of the Real Refreshment Podcast. Here's your host, Rachel Carmen. Hey there, moms. It is a dreary day here in Charlotte, North Carolina on this podcast recording day for me. I hope that it is sunnier where you are today. I do love the sunshine, but I am really grateful for all of this rain we're getting. I'm anticipating great things in the spring. Today, we are continuing our discussion of love from a biblical standpoint this month of February. We've looked at the definition from a biblical point of view, and today we're going to look at love's covenant, next time love's choice, and then we'll wrap it all up with love's cost. We'll get ready and start in just a few minutes. Is it hard to spark meaningful conversations with your kids? Whether you're a homeschool hero, planning activities for the next family vacation, or simply gathering around the dinner table, we've got something that can help. Introducing the Daily Family Conversation Starter by best-selling author Katie Clemens. This remarkable book offers 365 imaginative ways to connect with your children in just five minutes each day with prompts like, who made you laugh today? Or what would you do if you had a tail? These simple questions open up a world of laughter, curiosity, and deeper connections. From dinner time to sleepy time, the Daily Family Conversation Starter is your key to creating memories that will last a lifetime. Don't wait to transform your family's daily routine into an adventure of discovery and fun. Grab your copy of The Daily Family Conversation Starter today, wherever books are sold. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-497-4410. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in, anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-497-4410. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-497-4410. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. All right. Today, we're going to look at what is love's covenant. So again, three parts that I'm going to kick off today. Love's covenant, then love's choice, and then love's cost. 
Today, I just want to do an overview, and I'm going to say at the outset that this is a very challenging subject we're going to tackle today, you and I. I cannot possibly do this an exhaustive study in our time today, but I'm hoping, I'm hoping because this is always my objective, and that is to get you excited about getting into God's Word. So I want to say at the outset, my number one resource for today. Today's discussion is my ESV study Bible. I love this study Bible. It is replete with charts and references and explanations and definitions and cross-references, all things great and glorious for those of you like me who love to study God's Word and go deeper. So I could have come at this today with about 15 or 20 or a thousand different resources, but For simplicity's sake, I boiled it down again to my ESV study Bible, and I think for those of you who are just starting on your biblical study journey, that'd be a great place to start. I know that it can be so easily overwhelming with all of the great resources available to us, but again, sometimes simple is better for us to focus, and that is what I'm basing this on today. So I want to give us some definitions. I want to look at the six primary covenants in the Old Testament and pointing to the New Testament. So I'm going to give you lots of scripture references today, and I will have these available in the show notes so that you can actually dare to go deeper. So what I want to make in the point for love's covenant today is that God is the first mover. God is the initiator of a relationship with us. We're not the ones to move towards Him. We're incapable of it in our fallen state. It is God that comes to us to initiate a relationship with us. And it is very important that we get that right in our heads. We have in Genesis 1-1, in the beginning, what? God. In the beginning, God. From the dawn of creation, it is God that is moving toward a relationship with us. It's key that we understand that. Also, as a basis for today's discussion, I want to give us a very simple definition of covenant, and this is indeed taken from my ESV study Bible. It says this, a covenant is a formal binding together of two parties in relationship based on personal mutual commitment with consequences for both keeping and breaking the agreement or the covenant. So as we look at these individuals that God initiated a relationship with and ultimately through whom God initiated a relationship with you and with me, keep that definition in mind. Keep in mind that it was God who moved toward these men in the Old Testament, and ultimately it is God that moves towards you and I. See, from the beginning of the biblical narrative in Genesis all the way till today, we see a God moving toward relationship with us and inviting us to participate with Him as his people in what he's doing in this world. And so we'll talk about love's choice next time and then love's cost to wrap it up as we go forward. 
But let's start by looking at these individuals that God came to. And again, I'm going to give you the passages, and I really do hope that you will dare to dig deeper in what we're talking about today. So the first person that God goes to to initiate a relationship with is Adam. Not surprisingly, the first man that God created was Adam. He's considered the head of the human race, and he's also talked about in the New Testament as a precursor for Christ. Adam was the human through whom sin came, and then Christ is the God-man through whom salvation came. So we have in the beginning God. God creates this wonderful, perfect place in Eden, this beautiful place. He places the man there. He has all the animals come in front of Adam. Adam does not find a helper suitable for him, the narrative tells us. And because God sees that it is not good for man, for Adam to be alone, he creates a helpmeet for for him. And that is Eve, of course, the first woman. And he brings Eve and gives Eve to Adam. And we have the first marriage of Adam and Eve. We have that established here in Genesis. And we have what is known by scholars as the garden mandate. When in Genesis 1, 28 through 30, God directs Adam and Eve to be fruitful and multiply, to rule and subdue. He puts them in charge of his creation. So you have God, the Father, the Creator, the Initiator, the First Mover. He creates the garden, this perfect setting. He creates Adam and Eve, and he places them in this perfect context. And then he tells them what he wants them to do. You are now, God essentially says, you are now in charge. And what I want you to do is be fruitful and multiply. I created the two of you. Now I want you to have children. I want you to be fruitful and multiply. And then I want you to rule over this garden. And I want you to subdue it. You're in charge of this garden. That's the garden mandate that God gives to Adam and Eve. And then we see over in two Genesis 2, 16 and 17, we see this kind of first covenant. Now, some scholars do not attribute the term covenant to this passage in Genesis, but for our discussion today, I'm going to say this was a kind of covenant, and you'll recognize it. So, whereas you have the garden mandate when God tells Adam and Eve what he's expecting of them to do now that he's given them this garden, what they're to do here, over in 2, 16 and 17, now there's, this is I think it meets the definition of covenant that I gave you earlier because God comes to them and says, I give you everything here, the fruit of everything here you can eat, except the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And so God says, eat of whatever fruit is here. And I can just imagine if you love fruit, I love strawberries and apples and bananas, and I have a son that loves mango. I can just imagine these perfect fruits and maybe even things we don't even have anymore today, these beautiful, perfect fruit trees. And God says, "You, all of this is for you. I made all of this for you. It's all for you. And eat from whatever tree of the garden that you want to, except that one. Do not eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And then God lays out the consequences. 
For in the day that you eat thereof, you will surely die. So there's a very clear consequence given if they were to break that rule that God set. So that is what we know as the Edemic Covenant, again, in first of Genesis. And we'll come back next time in the podcast to talk about what did they do with that choice that they were given. The second covenant that we come across is with Noah, still in Genesis, only a few chapters later, after we have the fall of Adam and Eve, spoiler alert, they didn't do so well with that directive that God gave them. So man falls into sin, right? And it gets so bad that just a few chapters in to Genesis, the biblical narrative, in chapter six, man's kind of so bad that God goes to Noah And here we have the second covenant that we have in the Bible. And this is in Genesis 6, verse 18 through 22. And I am going to turn to it and read to you 18 through 22. And it says this. But I will establish, this is God speaking to Noah, I will establish my covenant with you, and you shall come into the ark, your sons and your wife and your sons' wives with you, and every living thing and all flesh, and you shall bring two of every sort of into the ark to keep them alive with you, and they shall be male and female. Noah, it says in verse 22, did this. He did all that the Lord commanded. So here we see mankind has gotten so bad and so evil and so wicked that the Bible actually says that God is sorry that he made it, but he takes notice of Noah and he comes to Noah. So Noah's righteousness, Noah's blamelessness, Noah's determined determination to live different to the culture. Look, what you and I are striving to do today, and I do pray that you're striving to stand against the culture, what you and I are doing and striving to do to live lives worthy of that to which we've been called, which is talked about in the New Testament. If we're actually doing that, sometimes we whine and complain because, my goodness, no one's ever had to do that before. Oh, no, no. No, that's not true. We have examples all the way back in Genesis 6. Noah was doing that. And what somebody out there today needs to hear is God noticed that. And God went to Noah and said, look, I see you. And I'm coming to initiate a relationship and a covenant with you based on how I see you are already living. And I want you to participate with me in what I'm going to do to save you and your family. So God goes to Noah. And you know on the other side of Noah's obedience, says Noah did all that the Lord commanded. After the 40 days and 40 nights, and many scholars say it was over a year that they were actually in that ark. And they come out of the ark, right? And what is the first thing that Noah does when he comes out of the ark? He builds an altar. And he gives sacrifice to God and prays for God having saved them through the flood, through the destruction of all of mankind. Noah was God's reset button. Now, it wasn't a surprise to God. This was God's plan. But Noah honored God, right? And he comes off of the ark. He makes a sacrifice and prays to God. And God, in response, sets a rainbow in the sky. 
as a sign of the covenant saying, I will not destroy the earth again with water. So we have Adam, we have Noah, and then number three, we have Abraham, and we will discuss him right after this break. Is it hard to spark meaningful conversations with your kids? Whether you're a homeschool hero, planning activities for the next family vacation, or simply gathering around the dinner table, we've got something that can help. Introducing the Daily Family Conversation Starter by best-selling author Katie Clemens. This remarkable book offers 365 imaginative ways to connect with your children in just five minutes each day with prompts like, who made you laugh today? Or what would you do if you had a tail? These simple questions open up a world of laughter, curiosity, and deeper connections. From dinner time to sleepy time, the Daily Family Conversation Starter is your key to creating memories that will last a lifetime. Don't wait to transform your family's daily routine into an adventure of discovery and fun. Grab your copy of The Daily Family Conversation Starter today, wherever books are sold. All right. Our third man in the biblical narrative that God comes to in covenant is Abram. And we find this in Genesis 17, and it starts out right in verse 1, Genesis 17, 1 through 8. Notice how old Abraham is. Now, if you've heard me talk about Abraham at all, you know that one of the things that I love about his story is that it it shows us truly a progression of a faith journey. So we see him... In back in chapter 12, but we're picking up his story for our sake of our discussion today over in chapter 17. And we get this. It says, now when Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am God Almighty. So in other words, in case you're wondering who's speaking to you, let me just be clear. I am God Almighty. Walk before me and be blameless. I will establish my covenant between me and you, and I will multiply you exceedingly. Abraham fell on his face, and God talked with him, saying, As for me, behold, my covenant is with you, and you will be the father of a multitude of nations. No longer shall your name be Abram, but your name shall be Abraham." For I have made you the father of a multitude of nations. I will make you exceedingly fruitful, and I will make nations with you, and kings will come forth from you. I will establish my covenant between me and you and your descendants after you throughout generations for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and to your descendants after you. I will give to you and to your descendants after you the land of your sojournings, all the land of Canaan, for an everlasting lasting possession, and I will be their God. Very, very clearly here in Genesis 17, verse 1 through 8, we have God coming to Abram, whose name he changes to Abraham. So that's part of the element of this covenant is literally a name change. And that is a theme that we will see throughout these covenants. The outplay is substantial change. And here we have it symbolized in just a simple name change from Abram to Abraham. And God 
initiates this covenant. He says, I will do this, 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 and this. This is God. And the thing that I want you to see here is God is active on our behalf. God is not passive. He is saying, I'm going to do this. And in return, very clearly, God expects us to respond to his initiated relationship with us. Here specifically, God says, I will make you fruitful. I will establish my covenant with you, an everlasting covenant to be your God and God to your descendants. I will give you the land of Canaan for an everlasting covenant. So again, we see God coming to a man and initiating a relationship with him. Number four, we have sort of a shift here. We have God coming to Moses, who is has just led God's people out of bondage in Egypt. So in this instance, it's the Mosaic covenant, but it's a covenant that God is moving to have not just with Moses, but actually with his people, the Israelites. So Moses is the the representative leader of the people. So God initiates this covenant with the people through Moses. And this is one of the most extensive covenants that we have in scripture. So it begins in Exodus 19, starting in verse one, going all the way through chapter 40, 38. So this is the covenant that God initiates with his people at Sinai. And it's, it's very long and it's very explicit and very clear what God expects of his people. But I want to pick up with you here today. So let's look at chapter 19, verse 4 and 6. This is God speaking to Moses on Sinai. You yourself, God says, you have seen what I did to the Egyptians and how they bore, how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now then, God says, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, then you shall be my own possession among all the peoples, for all the earth is mine. And you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words that you shall speak to the sons of Israel. So again, this is God speaking to Moses saying, this is what I want you to tell the people. I'm about to outline the covenant that I expect them to keep. And if indeed, if indeed they will keep the outline of this covenant with me, they will be my own possession among all the peoples, a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. Now, the interesting thing about this covenant initiation by God is that he lays out what he expects them to do even before he tells them what the covenant is. Because as you continue to read on in the next chapter, chapter 19, uh, chapter 20, excuse me, of Exodus, you have the Ten Commandments laid out. God lays out the Ten Commandments for his people. Ten Commandments! So in Eden, God said one thing, one thing don't do. Don't eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, right? 
here, he expands on that a little bit and he has 10 things. These are the 10 things that I want you to do. What is important for us to remember is this covenant, these 10 commandments that God gives. This is the creator God laying out for his people. These are the rules by which if you dare to live by these rules, you will best flourish. These rules are best for you. These are my loving limits. These are the things that I know will be so good for you, for your relationship with me, for your relationship with your fellow man. If you will just do these 10 commandments, if you'll just keep these 10 commandments, life will go really good for you. And you know, God knows that to be true because he created us. He knows what's best for us. And so he lays out these 10 commandments. He makes it clear, look, I want you to remember that I'm the God that did the 10 plagues. I did the 10 plagues. You saw it. You witnessed it. You walked through the Red Sea. I'm that God. I bore you on eagle's wings. I brought you out of bondage. I am that God. And now I'm going to lay out before you my covenant, and I'm going to ask you to keep it. And I'm going to tell you that if you do, you will be my my people, and I will be your God. It's beautiful. It's absolutely beautiful. Again, initiated by God through Moses for God's people, the Israelites. This is his invitation into a relationship with him. That's the Mosaic Covenant. Number five, the fifth man in the Old Testament that God goes to is David. And it's very interesting because this, fast forward a little bit, this takes us over to 2 Samuel 7, 1 through 29. And the interesting thing about this covenant is that David goes to Nathan and King David has this idea that he wants to build a house for the Lord. So you'll remember that back with Moses and the people of Israel, God very specifically told them how to build a tabernacle and all the details of the tabernacle, right? Because that was going to be where God was going to come and dwell among them in this tabernacle. And you can study about all that. God outlined that very specifically. But fast forward now to King David, the second of the three kings of united Israel. First was Saul, then David, then David's son Solomon is third, just before the divided kingdom. But you have three that were kings of the united kingdom, and David is the center of those three. And it's like one day it occurs to David, oh my goodness, that God does not have a, a permanent house. He lives in a tent. I'm going to build him a house. And he goes to the prophet Nathan, and he tells Nathan, this is what I'm going to do. And the prophet Nathan says, sounds great, do it. But then God comes to Nathan and he says, Nathan, this is what I want you to tell to David. And so if you'll look in 2 Samuel 7, beginning in verse 8, you have the word of the Lord to the prophet Nathan. Now, therefore, thus you shall say to my servant David, thus saith the Lord of hosts, look, 
I took you from the pasture and from following sheep to be a ruler over my people Israel. I have been with you wherever you have gone and have cut off all of your enemies. And I will make you a great name, like the names of the great men who were on the earth. I will also appoint a place for my people Israel, and I will plant them. Skipping down to verse 11. I will give you rest from all of your enemies. The Lord also declares that the Lord will make a house for you. When your days are complete and you lie down with your fathers, I will raise up a descendant after you who will come forth from you, and I will establish His kingdom, he shall build a house for my name. This would be Solomon. And I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever, and I will be a father to him, and he will be a son to me. And when he commits iniquity, I will correct him. But my loving kindness shall not depart from him. Your house and your kingdom will endure before me forever. Your throne shall be established forever. In all accordance with these words, of this vision, so Nathan spoke to David. So for this particular covenant, the word of the Lord comes to a prophet, and the prophet is told to tell this covenant to David. This is the Davidic covenant wherein God comes and initiates a relationship with David saying, I'm going to establish your throne forever. This is actually a messianic prophecy of Christ who will come through the lineage of David. And so this is God saying, I'm going to establish your throne. And we see in the New Testament that Jesus came through the line of David. And this is the prophecy here. This is when God says, I will establish your throne forever. Ultimately, that is Christ's kingdom established forever. So that's number five in the Old Testament. And then we have this beautiful passage through the prophet Jeremiah as number six. And that is the outline of the new covenant that we get through the Lord Christ. So if you will look over in Jeremiah chapter 31, verses 31 through 34, this is what the word says. The word of the Lord. Behold, days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not like the covenant which I made with the fathers in the day that I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt. My covenant, which they broke, although I was a husband to them, declares the Lord. But this is the covenant which I will make with the house of Israel after those days. Turning my pages. I will put my law within them and on their heart. I will write it and I will be their God and they will be my people. This is beautiful. This is the initiation of the new covenant, which is ultimately fulfilled in Christ. And so again, these six times we see, in, we march through the Old Testament narrative And all six of them are pointing to the Lord Christ, the fulfillment of these covenants. In the Old Testament, they were to give sacrifices, blood sacrifices of spotless lambs or goats. And we know in the words of John the Baptist in the New Testament, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is the coming of the fulfillment of the covenant that God proclaimed to his people. 
the initiation of a relationship with us in the person of Jesus Christ, who came once to die for all, the perfect Lamb of God, the perfect sacrifice for you and I. This is the outline of love's covenant. Next time when we're together, we are going to talk more about what should be our response to the initiation of this covenant by God, this relationship by God, this invitation to participate in what he's doing in this world as his chosen people. I look forward to talking to you about that choice, the choice to trust and obey. I'll see you next time. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you enjoyed the show. If you have a question or comment, we invite you to send it to info at rachelcarmen.com. And while you're at Rachel's website, check out her wonderful resources, including the Word in Motion Bible curriculum. We want to take a second to thank the team at Life Audio for their partnership with us on the podcast. They've got shows about prayer, Bible study, parenting, and more. If you go to lifeaudio.com, you'll find dozens of other faith-centered podcasts in their network. Moms, more than ever, we really do need each other. We need to be challenged, and we need accountability in the Word. Thanks for joining us, and we'll catch you in the next episode of The Real Refreshment Podcast. This, this is my skyship, Dreamer. My cargo is stories and our destination dreams with abide sleep stories for kids you can help your children fall asleep fast and learn about god to find these kids bedtime stories go to lifeaudio.com or search your favorite podcast app for abide stories for kids you can also download the abide app for more biblical meditations at abide.com